forever. Amen. Well, if you will join me now in taking your copy of God's Word, we will turn back to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Through Hebrews 13, verse 17. Now you may notice that this was our the passage we had for last week as well. And we have it because it served as a good starting point for us last week to, to think through the question of what does God say about church membership? And we come back to it again this morning because it's a good place to think through what does God say about church leadership? And that's what we've been doing so far uh, since the, the second week of January. It's thinking through what does God say about? And we've looked at what does God say about the church. We've looked at what God says about church membership. Leaves us this morning to ask him, what does God say about church leadership? We've looked at what God says, this is what the church is. This is meant to be our understanding of what the church is. And then here are the blessings and the benefits that come from having a, a formal relationship with the church. To be committed to the church, to be involved with the church. And so that leads us then to, to think through them. <clears throat> If God has ordained leaders for the church, and we'll talk more about that, what does he want to know about leaders in the church? What should leaders know about themselves? What should the church know about the leadership of the church? What does God want us to know about church leadership? And so we'll look at that together this morning. So before we come, before we come to our passage and, and our time together in the Word, let's pray for God's blessing on our time. Lord, we, we come to your word, and may it be uh, engraved upon our hearts and minds that this is your word. This is your holy, inspired, and inerrant word, that all scripture is breathed out by God. It is profitable for every part of our life and every part of our souls, every part of our faith. May we hear your words this morning, and through your spirit, May these words be applied to where they need to be applied. May we be encouraged where we need to be encouraged. And may it draw us closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We praise now in Jesus' name. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Let's stand together now for the reading of God's word. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So the grass withers and the flowers fade. The word of our God stands forever. Amen. You may be seated. So if you get involved in our Reformed Presbyterian world for long enough, you realize that we love acronyms, right? It's the ARP Church, standing for Associate Reformed Presbyterian. Then we add, we add Bethel to that, we become BARP, which we don't use too much because it sounds like you're getting ready to be sick. But BARP is Bethel Associate Reformed Presbyterian. Our form of government we call the fog. And it's a joke among pastors that you get into a fog when you read the fog. Westminster Confession of Faith, WCF, Sunday School, SS, Bethel Women's Ministries, BWM. And if you string together three or four letters with a P somewhere in there, you're probably going to land on an acronym 
for some Presbyterian denomination out there. In our Reformed Presbyterian world, we love acronyms. One of those acronyms from our world is the acronym TR, which stands for Thoroughly Reformed. And this can be used as a compliment. They also be used as a pejorative. It's a compliment when it's used to describe someone who cares about theology, a specific Reformed theology. They care about it. They're, they're careful about their theology. They take Jesus seriously in their theology. They're a Christian who, who takes seriously the, the counsel of Paul in 2 Timothy 1.13 of holding the sound doctrine. And these sort of folks uh, approach theology and the belief and, and conviction that Jesus is the Lord of all things, meaning that Jesus is even Lord of theology. So we must take it seriously. A good TR is someone who cares about theology because theology is the study of God, who they know through Jesus Christ. And they take great care in studying theology because it deepens their relationship with Jesus. It guides them in what Paul tells us to do, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So therefore, the center of their theology is always Jesus. It's a, a mind for truth that leads to a heart for God, a, a good teaching that leads to good living. It's theology that's for the glory of God and enjoying Him in and through Jesus Christ. So that is a good TR. And that's what I would say for us in the Reformed Presbyterian world, that should be our aim, that we would be these sort of Christians, these sort of uh, uh, theologians, that we would be good TRs. But there's a good TR, and there's a bad TR. The bad TRs love and pursue theology, but for them, it's more of a love and pursuit of knowledge than it is of Jesus. Now, Jesus is, is a part of theology, but the center, the center of their theology isn't Jesus. It's theology for the sake of theology. These are people who are more concerned about being right than being Christ-like. It's more about having knowledge than using that knowledge for the glory of God. Matter of fact, this is having knowledge to, to beat up on other people or to talk down to them. For them, it's more head than heart. It's more for the sake of knowledge than for the sake of Jesus. We don't want to be like that. Because the difference between those two is Jesus. Is Jesus at the center? Is Jesus the reason? Is Jesus the goal? And the same applies to church leadership. Good church leadership has at its core Jesus. A good church leader is someone who loves Jesus, who follows Jesus, and who desires to lead others to Jesus as well. No matter what the position of church leadership, the goal is always Jesus. Pastor, elder, deacon, women's ministries, Sunday school, Bible study, it doesn't matter the position. The goal is always the same. It's Jesus. Because when the goal is Jesus, then God is glorified. And when the goal is Jesus, then our enjoyment of God grows and grows and grows. So the, the goal for any leader in the church, and, and, and the goal of the church for our leaders is not to have a bunch of general patents. It's to have a bunch of disciples of Jesus. Godly leaders who faithfully point 
and lead to Jesus. And I think that's important to understand because there's a temptation to think of church leadership on any level as being on a board of directors. That you've been, you've been called and elected to, to make decisions for the church, and that's it. It's, it's a business model that's devoid of Christ. But the church isn't a business. The church isn't about numbers and graphs and charts and bottom lines. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. The church is where the sheep of the good shepherds have flocked together. The church is God's people. So therefore, good church leadership isn't called to just gather together to make decisions. Now, understand, making decisions is part of the church leadership. But the decisions are made with Christ as the goal. Good church leadership is leadership that is godly and that will point others to Jesus. That's the goal of every decision to be made in the church. Will this glorify God in and through Christ? So how does a church know? How, how does Bethel ARP, how does any church know that they have godly leaders? Well, can you testify that your leaders point you to Jesus and you see them growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ? Are you being encouraged to become more like Jesus? Or are we being encouraged to embracing being his bride and his body? Do we take Jesus seriously? Because good church leadership is leadership that is godly and will always point others to Jesus. Some of us may know Dr. Mark Ross. He used to be on staff at First Press Columbia. He now serves as a professor at Erskine. He says this about good church leadership. To focus on Christ himself as the king and head of the church, whose offices as prophet, priest, and king are in part exercised through the officers of the church. I think that the elders and deacons can be given a vision of Christ himself as the good shepherd of the church, caring for his people by equipping, calling, and empowering elders and deacons for their work. We shall have honored our Lord and called our officers into his service. He says it better than I could. That should be the goal of all church leadership, no matter what your role is. It's all about Jesus. And it's all about pointing people to Jesus. So let's look some more about what God wants us to know about this in church leadership. As we go through the Bible, especially from the New Testament, we can't escape the fact that God has ordained for his church to have leaders. We're not supposed to be some sort of anarchist sort of movement where, where, where we just kind of do our own thing and we, we're, we're, we don't have leaders. So we look at our passage this morning. It's found in the book of Hebrews. This was written to Jewish Christians who were probably located in Italy. And there's an interesting discussion about the book of Hebrews. It very much reads like a sermon. So the debate is, was this a sermon that was preached or was this a sermon that was written to be given? But no matter how you look at it, to be, that, that was preached or was written to be given, it was given to a church. It, it was given to be, uh, either it was, it was preached to or given to be preached to, to, be, to be preached uh, to a group of Christians who were gathered together, and that's the church. And, and look at what it says here. Obey your leaders and, and, and submit to them. 
So here in the book of Hebrews, there's obviously church leadership present, church leadership at work, and, and the writer is saying, obey them, submit to them. They're the ones that God has called to keep watch over your souls. They'll have to give an account for this. So there's obviously here in the book of Hebrews, the church of Jewish Christians in Italy, leaders. We see in Acts 15, the Jerusalem Council, which is where leaders of the church gathered to discuss church matters and issues. Paul says in Ephesians 4, and Jesus Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for work in the ministry for building up the body of Christ. Who is the body of Christ? It is the church. And who did Jesus give to the church to build them up? Leadership. So as we go throughout the Bible, we see that God has ordained for his church to have leaders. That's how it's meant to be structured. That's how it's meant to operate. God has ordained for his church to have leaders. But as we look at this, we see not just anybody can serve as a leader in the church. A person must be called by God. Must be called by God to, to serve in that role of leadership. And if it be the pastor, the elder, the deacon, women's ministries offers, I would say even down to Sunday school and Bible study teachers, these are roles that are called by God. Titus 1 7 says, for an overseer, which is another word for elder, so for an elder as God's steward, he must be above reproach. God's steward. This is someone that God has called to serve him through serving the church through leadership. And again, we go back to Ephesians 4, where Paul explains that, that Christ gave leaders to the church. That Jesus was actively involved in giving leadership to the church. It wasn't a popularity contest. It wasn't leaders that weren't there because they were good at, at politicking for votes. God called them. Christ gave them. So leaders in a church are those who believe that God has laid on them the mantle and burden and responsibility of leadership. Leaders in a church are those who others look to and, and can confirm that God has called them to leadership. So good church leadership is only accomplished by those who have been called by God to those roles. So that means not everyone is called to leadership in the church. It's only those who have been called by God to serve in that leadership. So that should lead us to some questions, shouldn't it? How do I know if I've been called to leadership? How, how do you know if you've been called to leadership? How, do, how does the congregation know that someone has been called? We got the magic eight ball, shake it up. This person called to ministry and comes up and says, highly doubtful or whatever you know, the answers are on there. Well, God doesn't leave us in the dark. He gives us qualifications. We find those in Titus 1 and 1 Timothy 3. Do you want to know if you're called to, 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 uh, called to leadership? And you read those passages. If you wonder if somebody's called to leadership, you read through those passages. And what's interesting when you go through them, it doesn't read like a resume of a leadership college. It's a focus of qualifications on how they live out their faith. Is Jesus evident in them? Both in public and in private. Are they growing to be more like Jesus? Is, is Jesus their greatest joy? Are they pointing others to Jesus? 
This is what makes for a good leader in the church. It's all about Jesus. And God intends for us to think through that. For ourselves, for others, for the church. Because it's made very clear that people in the church want to obey and submit to those who point them to Jesus. They're to be called by God and they're to be equipped by God for leadership. I was fresh out of seminary at the White Oak Church in Georgia. My, my, my Masters of Divinity was nicely framed and hanging up on the wall. My, my church study, my bookcases were up and they were filled with all my great theological books from seminary. And I came there with my Masters of Divinity. I had served in a church for seven years in some role or another. I was feeling pretty good about myself. I was, I was, I was good to go. I'm there to be a good associate pastor. It took about seven or eight months of me being there. We had some particular things come up, some, some thorny issues for the church and within my ministry. And I can remember sitting there one afternoon at my desk, kind of thinking through it, and just kind of out of frustration, kind of slapped my desk and said out loud, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I halfway expected somebody down the hall to say, we know I had all the knowledge. I mean, I've studied Greek and Hebrew. I've gone through systematic theology and, 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 and biblical classes, right? I had experience. When I was learning, that in spite of all that, I needed to be equipped by God. I could have all the knowledge in the world. Man, my wall could be filled with diplomas. Unless I was equipped by God to serve as a leader, I would be an inefficient leader. Every leader in the church needs to be equipped by God for that role. Because we're not running a business. We're leading a church. We're leading God's people. Our bottom line isn't numbers. Our bottom line are souls. It's a spiritual calling. Paul tells us very clearly, you do not battle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces and powers. Leaders in the church are not generals. They serve under the king of kings. Jesus leads and we follow. That's church leadership. Jesus leads, we follow. And good church leaders will always follow King Jesus in faith and in life and their leadership and model encourage the church to do the same. And the king will always faithfully equip his leaders to do that. It's like the saying goes, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. There's a difference there, isn't there? God doesn't call the equipped he equips the called. And how does he equip us? It's all through the means of grace. He equips his leaders through the faithful reading, preaching, and studying of God's word. He equips them through faithful prayer. He equips them through the sacraments. 
He equips them when they're encouraged by fellowship of Christians. That's how God equips his leaders. That is the boot camp of church leadership. It's through those means of grace. Now, yes, we can learn from examples set by others. We can, we can read leadership books. Those things can be good. We can go to conferences. Those things can be helpful. But primary and foundational, foundational isn't the leadership book we find at, at Barnes & Noble. It's not a leadership podcast we, we, we listen to. Primary and foundational is that God equips his leaders through the means of grace. God will equip his leaders through his word, through prayer, through sacraments, through fellowship. That's how God equips good church leaders. General Thomas Stonewall Jackson from the War of Northern Aggression was known to be a brilliant battlefield tactician and his soldiers loved him. They would, they would run through a brick wall for Stonewall Jackson. And he was asked, where did he learn this? Where did he learn such brilliant battle maneuvers? Where did he learn to lead his men? And General Jackson said, I read the book of Joshua. Now think about that. There are many of us who hold to the opinion that if General Jackson had not been killed in the Civil War, there probably would have been a different outcome. He was a graduate of West Point. He has served in the Mexican-American War. Surely that had some influence, right? But if you were to ask Stonewall Jackson what made him so good as a leader to his men and on the field, he would point to his Bible. God equips his leaders through his word, through prayer, through sacraments, through fellowship. He doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And it's in the word, it's in prayer, it's in sacraments, it's in fellowship that good church leadership is formed and where they are molded. They are called, they are equipped, and they will always point their people to Jesus. Pastor, elder, deacon, women's ministries, teachers, Bible study leaders, whatever the role is, they should always point people to Jesus. As our passage says, that the church leadership has been called and equipped by God to keep watch over souls in their care. And think about it, that's a weighty task, right? We're not, we're not responsible for making sure they get on a bus from, from Winsboro to Charlotte or Winsboro to Columbia. We're responsible for their souls. And that's a weighty task because our souls ultimately belong to God. Formed by God. And they can only be saved by Jesus. And they can only be shaped by the work of the Holy Spirit in our faith and our lives. And leaders are called and equipped to lead these souls. And to that, we're told every church leader must give an account of how they led. And scripture tells us the goal of that leadership is to always point to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, which means this. At one day, every church leader from Bethel ARP will stand in front of God. And they must give an account of their ministry. When God says to them, I called you to serve in that church. I equipped you to serve in that church. 
how did you serve my church? And scripture tells us there's only one answer. Jesus. God, I always try to point them to the Son. You called me and equipped me to point them and lead them to Jesus. And that is what I try to faithfully do. There is only one answer to the goal of leadership and that's Jesus. And what scripture says is that when we realize that, when we embrace that, when we follow that, that is where we find the joy of leading people in church because we have the joy of always pointing them to Jesus. Because what's better than teaching Jesus? What's better than, than sharing about Jesus? What's better than, than studying Jesus? What's better than being in the Word and seeing all the connections to Jesus? What is better than loving the one who first loved you? What is better than following the one who, who leads you? What is better than showing the one who so loved you to others? What is better than Jesus? And every leader in the church says, say, absolutely nothing. There is nothing better than Jesus. There's no bottom line. There's nothing better than Jesus. And when leadership embraces that, then they embrace the joy of leadership. The joy of knowing the good shepherd. Of knowing his voice. Of following him wherever he leads. So that he may, they may lead his people along that same way. But here is what happens. Ourselves, our vanity, and Satan. We may do a good job. We want to pat ourselves on the back. Damn. I'm, I'm pretty good at this. I'm not going to say it's too loud, but you know what? Bethel's pretty lucky to have me as a leader. It happens, doesn't it? And good church leadership never points to themselves. They point to Jesus. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Not what I've done, but what God has chosen to do in and through me. It's the joy. That's Jesus who's the head of the church. It's not me. It's not the session. It's not that exactly. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the bridegroom and his bride. He's the one who should always be glorified and pointed to. That's what a good leader will do. They will always point to Jesus. Over and over again in Scripture, we see where leaders are taught and counseled always point to Jesus. For me to live is Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. If you love me, keep my commandments. Feed my sheep. Good church leadership finds joy and points to the one who so loved you. He died for your sins. Point to the one who, even when you're his enemy, sent his son to live and die for you. To point to the one who's gone before us as a good shepherd to prepare our eternal place. Good, leader, good leadership always points to Jesus because Jesus is their greatest joy and they want Jesus to be your greatest joy. There's more that could be said about that, but that's probably enough for this morning. 
I want us to end again with what Dr. Ross tells us. Focus on Christ himself as the king and head of the church, whose offices as prophet, priest, and king are in part exercised to the officers of the church. I think if the elders and deacons, the officers of the church, can be given a vision of Christ himself as good shepherd of church, who cares for his people by equipping, calling, and empowering leadership for their work, we shall honor our Lord and call our officers into his service. May that be so here at Bethel ARP. That all leadership knows that God has called them, God equips them, and God encourages them to always point to Jesus because Jesus is their greatest joy and Jesus is the greatest joy of his church. Let's pray together.